Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee faithfully served the Lord for more than seven decades, co-laboring with Watchman Nee in China in the first half of the 20th century, before continuing his ministry in Taiwan, later in America, and eventually over the entire earth. He spoke these Life Study messages before thousands of people, and much of his speaking has been published as over 400 titles. These life studies are perhaps his most significant work, taking 21 years for him to complete, and we're happy today to be able to bring you selected portions from those messages. If you'd like to find out more about his ministry, about the life studies themselves, and Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now let's join today's program. Seemingly, there are many hard-to-reconcile statements in the Bible. We're going to be looking at one of those statements today. We are glad to welcome you once again to the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee began the Life Study of the Bible in 1974, and these radio programs provide us an opportunity to present selected portions of these classic unfolding messages of the riches of God's Word as originally spoken by Witness Lee. Francis Ball is with us once again to discuss the life study of Romans. Francis, thank you for being here today. It's my pleasure to be with you and to be into this marvelous life study. It is marvelous, Francis, and today, once again, we're going to look at God's selection. What can be a hard topic for many people probably ourselves included, by virtue of the fact that God has selected some, it seems that others must not be selected. Yet the word says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Francis, how do we reconcile these two items? Well, sometimes, Chris, uh, we're tempted to try to figure out why God does what he does and the way he does it. Concerning this matter of selection, We can just say that God's selection is according to God himself. It's according to his choice, not according to anything else. Perhaps it's best just to remind ourselves and any listeners who are pondering how to reconcile God's selection and his offer of salvation to whosoever will call on the name of the Lord by reading the last part of chapter 11. There it says, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and untraceable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become His counselor? You know, this portion from this chapter ends with, Because out of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Or to make it simple, we just take the Word of God from both sides. On the outside of the door, there is the invitation, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And once you call, you are then on the inside, and you can look back over the door you entered. You see the inscription, 
chosen before the foundation of the world. I would just add this. If you believe into the Lord Jesus Christ, call on His name and receive Him, you are a selected one. Amen to that. Thank you, Francis. Let's join Witness Lee for this enlightening life study from Romans. In this matter of God's selection, you can see God's economy. God's economy in His selection. A kind of a divine arrangement in God's administration over the human race. And this administration under God's sovereignty is the divine economy. Number one, a remnant reserved by grace. A remnant not of the race of Adam, but a remnant of the race of Abraham. A remnant of Israel was reserved by God's grace. If you don't have chapter 11, surely you would think, my God, after uh, he has chosen Israel, uh, his mind was changed. Uh, his mind was changed because in chapter 9, chapter 10, it seemed that God had given up Israel. Some may think this way. But, never forget, we all have been reserved by grace. Right. It's not anything by our doing, but by His grace. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. You see, in chapter 10, Paul, in a sense, it seems to me, was against Israel. But now in chapter 11, he is so much for Israel. He says, at the present time, also, there is a remnant according to the selection of grace. Not only 7,000 reserved by God in ancient time of Elijah, but at the present time. God's economy in his selection is firstly with the remnant reserved by grace. And secondly, the nations, the Gentiles, saved through Israel's stumbling. Eleven. Have they stumbled that they might fall? Certainly not. They stumbled at the stone of stumbling. Paul said this clearly. Now here he says, I say then, have they stumbled that they might fall? Verse 15. And if they're casting aside, be careful. Here he doesn't say cast away. <laughs> to cast away is one thing. Yeah, to right. cast aside is another thing. Right. Because in the foregoing chapter he asks, is, has God cast away his people? Here he doesn't say cast away. He says cast aside. <laughs> There's a little difference between cast away and cast aside. Cast away means what? Means give up. Cast aside just to keep aside a little while. This means to cast aside, keep aside a little while. 
if their casting aside is the reconciliation of the world, what will be their receiving back? But life from among the dead. Francis, I'd like to spend a little more time on God's selection and the casting aside of Israel. Why did God need to set Israel aside to make a way for the Gentiles to have an entrance into his economy? Well, that question uh, somewhat answers itself, that he set aside Israel to make a way for the Gentiles. We know that God had the purpose in creating man. That purpose was that man would express God and represent God on the earth. We know that uh, created man, Adam, failed by taking another source. He took the source of Satan. And by taking the tree of knowledge, he got the satanic source in him. Then God called Abraham later, that through him and his descendants, God's purpose might be fulfilled. And from Abraham, we have Isaac and then Jacob. Out of Jacob, if you remember, we have the 12 sons of Jacob that become the 12 tribes of Israel. And God's purpose was then with Israel. He wanted a people, and to this people, God gave the sonship, the covenants, He gave the law, He gave the services, and He gave the promise. But history shows us that they made all these things into a kind of religion. And through this religion, they became disobedient and contradictory to God. God sent them prophets and judges to turn them back to Himself. But they persecuted these and even killed some of these in order to protect their religion. So eventually, God sent His only begotten Son, that through Him they might receive grace, but they rejected Him. This was their misstep. This was why they were set aside. They stumbled on the stone of stumbling, which is Christ. This misstep under God's sovereignty was that God's salvation might come to the Gentiles. This is God's economy in His selection. He did not cast away Israel, but He did cast them aside. Eventually, through grace, the remnant of Israel will be saved. This is God's mysterious, excellent, sovereign wisdom in carrying out His economy. Francis, it's not just Israel that has stumbled at the rejecting of Christ. Even though the door is open and available to all of us, we should be probably warned by these same passages because we don't want to also become those who stumble by rejecting him. Yes, and uh, Paul brings this out in a very specific way. You're in because of Israel's stumble, but uh, you better take heed. They went aside because of unbelief. And also, since you are added in to their blessing to be a participant in what God promised Israel, you will be set aside too if you don't continue in belief. Thank you, Francis. Let's go back to Witness Lee for more of our life study. Turn to verse 16, chapter 11. 16 says, Now, if the dough offered as the first fruit is holy... The lamb is also. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. I have a heavy burden this morning 
that uh, probably nearly all of us are not care about these two items. The first fruit means the first piece of the dough picked out of the lamp. Here, the apostle uses uh, this first piece of dough to illustrate at least Abraham himself, but I would rather say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But why Paul uses two things to illustrate this one thing, or this one point, it is quite meaningful. First of all, you have to uh, uh, take into your understanding that in chapter 9, we should never forget we are illustrated, including the Israelites, chosen by God, right? We all are illustrated in chapter 9 as what? Not as lump, dough from the lump, but as clay. In chapter 9, all the chosen ones of God are illustrated as clay. But here in chapter 11, aha, praise the Lord, God's chosen ones become the lump for making cakes. First of all, I like to be in chapter 9 as a piece of clay made into vessel to contain Christ. That's wonderful. But secondly, even I would uh, <laughs> more be happy to be a piece of dough, to be a piece, a part of the lamp. Because of what? Because with the clay, there is no life. The clay is nothing out of life. But the lump is something of life. This is something as the fine flour out of the wheat. It is something of life. And one thing more, the clay is good for making vessels to contain God, to contain Christ for his glory. That's wonderful. But here, the lump is for the satisfaction of God. It is to be offered to God for God's food, to satisfy God. You cannot offer a piece of clay to satisfy God. There is no life element. Only in this lamb you do have the wheat life. You do have something living to satisfy God. Then, how about the root? You see, the dough is for God's satisfaction. But the root is for our satisfaction. Here you have verse 17 that says, let us read, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and became a fellow partaker of the root of the fatness of the olive tree, the dough is for God's enjoyment, and the root is for our enjoyment. But you have to realize both are of something of life, and something not of the animal life, but of the plant life. And this is for producing to satisfy God and man. Both the wheat and the olive, they both produce something, right? for satisfying God and man. Praise the Lord. Well, 
Paul was a deep writer. Whatever he wrote in this book is not that superficial. Francis the Apostle Paul uses some very interesting metaphors or pictures in these chapters to illustrate this profound aspect of God's working. The clay molded into vessels in chapter 9 becomes the dough and eventually the branches of the holy root in chapter 11. Comment a bit more on these, if you would. Well, this is not an easy uh, kind of question to try to answer, Chris. But anyway, there are some aspects of this that need some kind of understanding. One thing, of course, the clay in chapter 9 is to make vessels and really a picture of us. We are formed into vessels to contain God. Actually, with the vessels, there's nothing really of life. And we have to remember always that uh, God's economy is according to life. But he does make vessels, and in that portion, you see, he makes vessels unto honor, vessels unto dishonor, uh, vessels unto glory, vessels of mercy. All these terms are used because in God's economy, he uses both ways to uh, carry out what he's after. And we see that more clearly in these chapters that are related primarily to Israel. But when you come to the matter of the dough and the root that you have in chapter 11, I think it's very interesting that uh, Brother Lee has brought out that these are matters of life. The dough is really referring to the source of Israel. You could say even to Abraham, because Abraham is the source of all the children of Israel. And uh, the tree, or the root, is the source of all the branches to the tree. So if you just take these two items, the dough and the root, you see there is something comes out of both of those. The dough has a portion of it as an offering, and that's holy to the Lord. And everything that's in that lump is also holy because the dough came out of the lump. This may be mysterious to a lot of our listeners, but I think if you get into it, or if you will call in and get this message, you'll get much more help as to these two uh, metaphors that are used. But the main point in these, that God's economy is worked out by the way of life, and what is offered to him is uh, something living, something of life, like the dough. And what comes out of him is something of life, like the tree. The tree is the source. The branches come out of the tree. So these, uh, these metaphors really have a rather deep meaning, both concerning Israel and concerning us as believers in Christ today. Francis, thank you. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study today. Israel will be restored through the nation's mercy. It's really wonderful. we we'll read the verses. 23. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. God is able. For if you were cut off from what is by nature, a wild olive tree, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree. 
how much more shall these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? To my understanding, Paul is all the way say something for the Gentiles. But underline, he is much more for the Jewish. Verse 25, For I do not want you, brother, to be ignorant of this mystery. Eventually, he came to the mystery. Lest you be wise in yourself, that hardness has come upon a part of Israel. Very wise. The hardness has come upon a part, not to the whole of Israel, just a part of Israel, until the fullness of the nations comes in. The fullness of the nations means what? Means the new converts of the Gentiles will be full. Now, it's still the time that more and more Gentiles will be converted. So, the fullness of the Gentiles being saved is still going on. It has not come in yet. Verse 26, And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The delivery will come out of Zion. He will turn away and godliness from Jacob. By that time, all the Israel, Israelites left by that time. All will be saved. And this is the covenant from me to them when I take away their sins. According to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But according to the selection, they are beloved for the Father's sake. It's marvelous. For the free gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Without any repentance, without any change, return. Then, in conclusion, he says, For God has shut up all in disobedience, that he may show mercy to all. Well, this is God's economy. Have you seen? So, after this point, Paul lifted up a praise to God. A praise for God's salvation. Listen to this praise. All oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How inscrutable are his judgments and how untraceable his paths. But Paul traced. <laughs> How untraceable are God's paths. <laughs> but Paul did it. <laughs> Am I right? And Paul not only did it, and Paul left us with a map. <laughs> Here in these two chapters, or three chapters, we do have a map to trace God's paths. It's marvelous. Verse 34, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? No one. Or who has first given to him, 
and it will be repaid to him. No one. Because out of him and through him and to him are all things. Francis, in chapter 11, verse 25, Paul says that he does not want us to be ignorant of the mystery. So Witness Lee has told us that these three chapters are a kind of roadmap where God is going in his economy. Francis, what is this mystery that Paul speaks of here, and what do these chapters show us about it? This is a mystery. I wouldn't say it's the great mystery, because the great mystery, according to Ephesians 5, is the mystery of Christ and the church. But this is a mystery definitely referred to, but he does say in uh, that verse that you referred to that he does not want us to be ignorant of this mystery. So this mystery is something that he has already introduced. And that, as I understand it, is the mystery of how Israel, who were God's chosen people, would be set aside and open the way by being set aside for the Gentiles to come in. But then after the Gentiles come in, it's through the Gentiles preaching and presenting the grace of God that brings the Jews, the remnant of the Jews, back into the blessing. So he says, you Gentiles are like uh, uh, branches off of a wild olive tree, and you've been cut off of that and grafted in to the uh, cultivated olive tree. And if you've been grafted in contrary to nature— because to take a wild olive tree and graft it into a cultivated olive tree, that is contrary to nature. But if Israel, as the branches of the cultivated olive tree, were cut off because of unbelief, and you were grafted in by grace and mercy and made a part of this olive tree, which is really all the blessings of God brought to his people, then be careful that you don't get cut off by not believing. But anyway, the mystery is that through the Gentiles believing, they are able to open the way for the Jews who were cut off to be brought back, to be grafted back into their own olive tree. So a remnant of Israel will be saved. Thank you, Francis. You touched early about the matter of the nation of Israel being cast aside and not being cast away. I think we just saw how that is brought back full circle into God's economy, including both the Gentiles and this remnant of the people of Israel. Yes, that's right. And it's the remnant, the ones that will be alive and be available at that time that will be brought back in, and Israel at that time will be saved. Wonderful. God's promise in his economy is too glorious. Amen. And we will be back, and we hope certainly that you will join us in the Lord. Thank you for being here today. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. 
That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.